0: Bibles, please, to the Book of Ephesians. You don't have to, but that might be helpful. Um, God bless you for your faithfulness, and I hope we're not going too slow for you as we move through this. I actually hope to get more done today than than um, than we're going to get going to get done. I pull the material together. I put my notes together. When it gets to the bottom of this second page, I know that I'm done. Uh, This one actually goes to the next page. So you don't need to look at your watch. I'll know that I'm going over. As a matter of fact, I have a timer back there. Um, It's uh, kind of hard to miss, uh, although I can do it. So... I'm up to the challenge. Let me read to you, beginning with Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty-five. We will read more than we can uh, probably cover today, but it would be good to um, keep keep that way. It keeps it all um, in context. So um, it says, "Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor." for we are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Let him who steals, steal no longer, but rather let him labor, performing with his own hands what is good, in order that he may have something to share with him who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as good for edification according to the need of the moment that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice and be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. <clears throat> that takes us down to the end of the chapter. Again, we probably won't get there that, uh, get that far today. I want to go back to verse 20 and, and just read that because that helps us uh, put things uh, into perspective. It says, But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, Just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new self, or new man, which is in the likeness of God, excuse me, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So uh, this is basically a continuation of last week's The Body Walks and Talks. This will be The Body Walks and Talks number two, and we're basically going to talk about how that Body Walks and Talks. I'm going to have to get another title, I suppose, in order to be somewhat professional about this whole process because most of the rest of the book is how the body, his body, is supposed to walk and talk. What it's supposed to do. <clears throat> walk, walk, um, is a, a term that's used throughout Scripture for the way that you live. As is the word conversation. Sometimes in the old English language, it would it would it would use the word conversation where we think of it as basically talking. To them, it meant the way you lived. It was the <clears throat> it was the entirety of your of your life, the expression of your worldview, perhaps. So, <clears throat> here he talks about uh, putting off and putting on, which we've talked about before. It's found in verse 22, lay aside. Verse 24, put it on. And uh, we're going to talk about that today. Now, there's delayed, uh, delayed, debate among theologians as to whether or not this is something that has happened. Whether the, these verbs should be seen as past tense. In other words, you have put off and you have put on. You can, <clears throat> you can read about that. That's the way it's used in Colossians chapter 3. It's a past tense thing that's already happened. Or whether it's, it's uh, uh, something that we are in, to be engaged in now, a current opportunity for us to obey. Either way, the results that we'll look at are the same. And since Paul seems to list these results. It, it's obvious that he wants us to focus on these things, to uh, think about these things, and, uh, and, and through the Holy Ghost, work at these things through our lives. There must be some responsibility on our part, or there would be no, there would be no mention of them. Now, the way the Word of God works is when you read it, or hear it and take it into your mind take it in the, the Holy Spirit has an opportunity to make that thing real to you to, to expand it so to speak into your bearing into your bearing it being it is the it is the sword of the Spirit by the way I'm going to interrupt myself here I found an, I found just a, like a a three minute clip that I put on the church Facebook page of an old fellow by the name of Owen, preaching about the Word of God. And it was the most fantastic thing. And I, Did anybody see it? Oh, good. Nobody. So <laughs> I encourage you, and if you haven't done this, you should. If you're on social media, if you have a Facebook account, find the Lakeview Community Church and follow it and then go to the little section there where it allows you to get the announcements and click all of them because we put announcements on there. And so now don't do it now um, because you've got to have the sound on for it to, for it to be uh, uh, useful. But he says, you know, the word, of God, the word calls the Word a hammer. And he says, how come we preach and no one gets smashed? It's called a sword. How come we preach and no one gets pierced? So I'll let you go look at it. So that's how the Word of God works in our life. Now, um, James Montgomery Boyce put this little outline. I'm going to use this here for just a second. He gives us these five things. Put off lying and speak truthfully. So there's put off and put on. All right. Put off lying, speak truthfully verse twenty five put off anger <clears throat> verses twenty six and twenty seven um, and then of course we have earlier um, the positive side was that uh, that is that you don't give any place to the devil. The third thing he says is put off stealing and work instead. The fourth thing he puts in here is put off unwholesome. Or corrupt speech, and that's what that word means, corrupt. And speak in order to help others. Let your words be used to edify others. And the last one is put off bitterness and wrath and malice, and instead show love and forgiveness. So those are toward the end. I don't think we'll get to those last two today, but I wanted to put them on here. Put off, put on, put off, put on, put off, put on. So let's go through these together. Verse 25, (coughs) excuse me. Laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. One verse, a couple thoughts in it, but it's a good self-contained unit right there. Speak the truth, because we are members of one another. God being holy can have nothing within him that is not true. There is no <clears throat> falsehood with God. Uh, God is uh, immutable; He doesn't change. And um, James says that there is no variableness or shadow of turning with Him. He's He's the same uh, f- forever and ever. There is no um, changing His mind. There, there is no changing of opinions. There, and I get back to this truthful concept here, but it's all kind of connected if you extrapolate it. Um, <clears throat> he, he doesn't say one thing one day and say another thing another day. There is a constancy with God. Jesus himself said, I am the truth. I am the way, and the truth, and the life. Now, when we look at Scripture and we look at the totality of Scripture, we find out that that all men lie. And the greatest and most destructive lies are usually those we tell to ourselves. Folks, even our prayers are perverted if they begin on the basis of an untruth. And I have to get kind of deep in this to, to think about it but and we're going to talk more about this when we talk about anger and some of the other things that we work through here as, um, as human beings but if, if, we're, if we're praying to the Lord and, and asking God to do certain things within us and what we're asking Him is based upon lies that we have told ourselves about who we are and maybe about who He is and about what's going on in the world around about us our prayers are perverted we're, we're 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 starting over here when we should be over here well, there has to be an element of our uh, of our being yielded to truth and truth is here here is truth we're not going to get the truth from science um we 'll maybe talk more about that a little bit later worship our worship john four twenty four says if you 're going to worship him you must worship him in spirit and in truth we got you know we all know this the holy spirit is the spirit of truth john fourteen seventeen john fifteen twenty six john sixteen thirteen says the holy spirit guides us into all truth first corinthians chapter five verses four through eight Tells us that we can't even take communion unless there is truth. So we're to speak truth one to another, and we could look at all kinds of different um, aspects of that. Now, you know, we need to be wise. There are scripture verses that say something to the effect of don't throw your pearls before swine. Okay? So um, he said, well, what, is that? what does that mean? It means don't give to people things they cannot handle or that they have no use for. There are certain things that you know that other people don't need to know because they have no need to know. Um, there's other times when we're to answer a fool lest he live in his folly. And there are times where we 're not to answer a fool in his folly, so truth has to have some discernment with it. It, it isn't just this blurting out everything that you know all the time, uh, and frankly, a lot of the times the things that we know aren't necessarily so. But what we're dealing with here is a is a core of basic self-honesty, and reality, and this idea that we want to live in, um, in, a, in a congruity with truth. That we don't want to live a lie, we don't want to deceive ourselves, and we don't want to deceive others. So someone asks you how you are and you're not doing too well you have the decision to make whether or not you're going to tell them what they may or may not need to know or what they may or may not be able to handle. There may be some people you will say, well, here's what's going on. There may be other people you'll say, I'm doing okay. I appreciate so much you asking me. Say, are you lying? Well, not necessarily. But if all we ever do is hide, that's not truth. That's not truth. So many of our social institutions today, so many of our church uh, structures, uh, uh, the social structures and cultures within our churches are designed to allow us to live in a level of superficiality where no one ever really gets to know one another. No one ever really gets to deal with the reality of other people's lives. And we're going to talk about this more and more as as we move through here. Untruth. Boasting is untruth. Exaggeration is untruth. Okay? How'd you do? Well, here's what I did. And you boast about it. You're, you know, you're making yourself bigger than you are. That's untruth. Exaggeration. Shading what you did because you want to put a better look on it than it was. That's untruth. Omissions are an untruth or can be an untruth. If you leave part of the story out because you don't want the person to actually know the whole reality, that's untruth. All of these and other things are untruths. So you say, Well this is this could be difficult, you know, and I think maybe we talked about this a little bit before. Someone Someone comes and says, well, how do, you, how do you like my new outfit? Okay? So, you, you've got to stop and think about this. Now, the easiest thing is if the outfit's great. All right? Then you don't have a problem. You say, yeah, that, that outfit's great. It, it really looks good on you. Okay? The problem comes if the outlook, if the outfit doesn't look good. All right. So then now you've got to say, well, what am I going to say? Am I going to say, it looks great? Are you going to say, I hope that comes back into style someday? <laughs> are you going to find some way to say that color doesn't go well with your complexion? Or are you just going to say, oh, my phone's ringing, i got to leave, and then get out of there? Now, that's a, that's that's kind of a trivial issue. But James, you know, I, I, I once read, uh, uh, I think it was Gene Getz wrote a book and he talked about the book of James. And he said, in church we read the book of James and most of us when we were done reading it were weeping. James says, don't you be like that fellow who looks and sees himself in the mirror and then goes away and doesn't make any corrective changes. There has to be a commitment in our hearts and our lives. If we're going to honor the Lord with our lives, if we're going to lay aside these things and honor the life that God has given us, there has to be a commitment to truth. Verse 26. Be angry, and yet do not sin, and do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. So we've got two things here. We'll talk about them separately. Do not sin in anger. So, firstly, anger is by itself not necessarily a sin. So let's clear that out. There can be righteous anger. And the, the difficulty comes when injustice happens, is, especially if the injustice happens to you, the difficulty comes in sorting out whether or not you're angry because of the injustice or angry because it happened to you. So what is anger? Well, anger is, a, is a, an emotional response to some violation of self or our understanding of the world. Sometimes people get angry because you redefine the world in a way they don't like, and they like the old world the way it was, and so they get angry and and they begin to defend it. Um, Dealing with grief, as I have over the past more than 20 years, one of the things that people often do is get angry. Why do they get angry if someone close to them dies, especially if it's sudden? Because now all of a sudden the world they knew is gone. What they thought tomorrow was going to be is not going to be that. And one of the emotional responses of that is anger. So the emotional response can of itself be for right or wrong reasons. Um, Selfish anger is wrong. Righteous anger is good. So when we are angry we have to revert back to our previous post a previous point we have to ask ourselves why am i angry am i angry because i didn't get my own way am i angry because the world is mean to me in other words is, is my anger all focused because of of me and and we have to we have to deal with that truth in that honesty tr- truth. we have to deal with that truthfully and uh, with truth and with honesty and if we're if if in this emotional response we still we are still thinking and you can still pray then you need to do so you need to think and you need to pray so that you can control your you can control your response the idea that because it's an emotion it's okay and you should give vent to it is not a godly idea the people who tell you well, don't if you don't oppress you know don't excuse me don't don't repress your emotions are not living according to a biblical standard you judge your emotions according to the bible and you go before the lord with them and if they're wrong, you repent of them. And you ask God to cleanse you and, and give you understanding. Let's, let's talk about this. Here. Let's go on verse 27. Give no opportunity to the devil. Don't. So this is all tied to sin and anger. And to some degree, this is tied to duration. Now, I, I personally, I believe that when it says don't let the sin go down, that, that that's figurative and not letter, literal. So I believe he's saying don't let this thing... Prolong. Uh, it, it certainly promotes better sleep if you get rid of it before you go to bed. But there are some things that don't go away that quickly. You have to work, work, work your way through them. And it goes back to our dealing with it. We are responsible, folks, for our actions and our words. Our words are actions. And those things that, that arise out of our emotions. We're responsible for them, even when we're angry. Today, it's wrong, but it's acceptable, and I already kind of mentioned this, to give yourself a pass, to excuse yourself, and just say, well, you know, that person made me angry. You know, excuse your sin because of what someone else did. No, that doesn't, as the old timers would say, that doesn't hold water. We're responsible before the Lord for our responses to the things that happen round about us. Now, let me give you a couple of clues here. How do you do this? Number one, you've got to judge truthfully. You've got to stop and think. I once uh, talked to a fellow who had had a very disappointing visit And um, I don't want to give too many details away except the place where they were had a cooler where they stored food. And I went to see him and I couldn't find him and later I found out he was in the cooler because his visit made him angry. And he decided the best thing to do instead of counting to 10 was to go hang out in the cooler for a while. And literally cool down Um, and what was he doing Uh, uh, he was trying to let some um, cognitive thought come back into this whole process before he did something that was going to be difficult so you, you make things more difficult you've got to judge truthfully you've got to ask yourself is this anger that I've got is it righteous anger it is am I am I right in having this anger? Is this anger based on selfishness? Lord, am I being selfish here? What what's going on here? And and the second thing is you've got to take those that emotion just like all emotions you've got to take that emotion to Jesus. And too frequently, as I mentioned earlier, we tend to, because modern psychobabble has told us that that our emotions are beyond judgment, they're just the way you are, that's wrong. That's wrong. You can have wrong emotions because you have wrong thinking because your mind has not been renewed by this book and say, well, who does that apply to? Every one of us at some point or another. So we we take those things to Jesus. Jesus. Folks, no one ever dealt with more personal injustice than Jesus. No one, so he knows what it's like. And um, it's it, if you read Genesis chapter fifty-one, you get to these one, one verses nineteen and twenty. You get to these wonderful verses there, where Joseph says to his brothers. Remember this whole story of Joseph and his brothers. And Joseph looks at his brothers and he said, You don't have anything to fear from me. Even though I'm second in command of the greatest nation on the face of the earth, <laughs> I know that what you did, you meant for harm. But God meant it for good. So he brought perspective into that whole thing. So, give no opportunity to the devil say, well, something's going to happen and you're going to get angry. Well, then what are you going to do with it? Go through the process. Ask yourself, why are you angry? Take it to the Lord. And maybe your anger is righteous, but maybe there's not a whole lot you can do. You've got to commit that thing to the Lord. I'll close this up and talk about how this works personally here as we get to the end of this thing. Verse 28. Let him who steals steal no longer. But rather let him labor, performing with his own hands what is good, in order that he may have something to share with him who has need. Steal no more. Go to work. From theft to gift. From self to others. Did you know that two of the Ten Commandments deal with property rights? One says... Thou shalt not steal. That's pretty obvious. The other says, Thou shalt not covet. Say, what's coveting? Coveting is looking at what somebody else has and dishonoring God because you don't have it. Now, I I, I didn't go through that whole explanation there. I, I went... From point a to I went from A to Z at the beginning. coveting is dishonoring God because you don't have something you think you should have, and you 're dishonoring the provider who has given you what you do have. Coveting is an offense, and if you look at the commandments, coveting is at the end coveting is an offense against God and man it 's a, a an offense against the man. Who has something you don't have because you may be jealous or what other things are going on in your heart. And it's an offense against God who provides everything that you've got by saying, God, I don't have enough. I need what he's got. And it all goes on in your mind. So I'll go back to this concept. Well, people say, well, it's not sin unless you do something. It is sin if you think it. say, so well, I don't like to think about that. Well, you have to be honest. We've got to deal with truth. I can pretty much guarantee you, if you don't think it, you won't do it. So, the, the root of the problem here in stealing is selfishness, and the cure is generosity. One, give, one takes and one gives. And so what the apostle is doing here, he says, you put off this old, you put on this new, you go from all about me to what can I do for the other guy? There are many forms of theft. So obviously taking what doesn't belong to you is, is theft. That fraud is theft. Get gained by deceit, kind of a fraud is left Leaving work early is theft. Not paying for what you bought is theft. If you stop to think about it, you'll think of you know you'll think of all sorts of things. Um, they bring you the wrong thing at the restaurant and don 't charge you for it. Well, that's their mistake. If you didn't pay for it, and you took it, it's theft. If you ordered nuggets, and they brought you lobster, and when you got your bill, it said nuggets, and you ate the lobster. Now, I don't know what kind of restaurant serves both nuggets and lobster. There may not be such a place. But if if you paid for the nuggets and you ate lobster, you stole their lobster. Does that make sense? You say, that's hard stuff. Why? Right? That's hard stuff, man. Why are you talking like that? The only, the only way we can get to a culture that we have today where there is so much laxness and so much disregard for God's word is because gradually over a period of time we have disregarded God's word. Now, it says instead of. Th- in- I'll just ask you this question: Instead of stealing, what is the thief supposed to do? Work. It's a bad word, isn't it? Four-letter word. The neighbor's dog. <laughs> the neighbors back. In, I'd go out in the yard, and the neighbor's dog would be tied out there, and he'd look around at me, and he would go, work, work. Work. And I'm thinking, who made that dog my boss? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I would, by the way, I answer him back. Work. You know, so, um, answer her back, by the way. It's, it's a girl dog. That may be part of the issue right there. I don't know. I'm, I, but I'm not going there today, all right? So if, you, if you're not supposed to steal, what you're supposed to do is work. Folks, work that you do unto God, and I'm going to qualify this in a second, work that you do unto God is honorable. There is no honorable work that does good that is better than others as long as it's dedicated to the Lord. Give your job To the Lord, give it to Him. Say, Lord, this is this is I'm doing this for Your glory and for Your sake, and You reward me as You see fit, either by promotion or giving me another job or getting me fired because this place is going to close down next month anyway, and nobody knows it yet. You give it to the Lord, and you can trust God in it. So, um. And without going into this, and we, we've talked about this in the past, we talked about the Reformation and the priesthood of, of believers. That means that every, every believer has a, a gift and a calling and a thing to do here in this earth. And And our work is part of that. So it can be dedicated to the Lord. Now, some of your translations say, honest work. I'm going to read this again. Let him who steals steal no more, steal no longer, but rather let him labor performing with his own hands what is good in order that he may have something to share with him who has need. Um, I know one of the translations I, I looked at said, honest work. And, but it literally means do a good thing. Um, not do a thing well, do a good thing. The emphasis is on the thing that you do. The emphasis is on the work. I, I don't like the translation honest work. Honest work can be seen as giving a, um, a full day's work for a full day's wage. That's honest work. But but you can be involved in that work in something that's not good. That's not the best understanding. So, it's good work with our hands. Calvin says that this this work should bring an advantage to our neighbors. In other words, the work itself should have something good about it that when we're done doing it, something good can come out of it. The idea is that there are good jobs that do good, that help produce something that provides real benefit to others. And... Opposite to that, there are jobs that are not good. There is work that is not good because when you're done with it, you haven't improved anything or anybody. No one is better for having done it. And I was thinking of things that I could, you know, talk about, but I'm afraid to get going down that road. I'll let you think about one of these things. But, or some of these things, but, but real benefit to others from, from making the carpet on the floor uh, to getting it to the store and all the steps in between to the person who comes and puts it down, to the person who comes and cleans it, to take care, that is providing something positive for somebody else. So it's helping someone, it's a service or goods and, and the end result is something good. You can't say that it's good and I can give it to God simply because you get paid. I'm not getting very many amens, but the word is a hammer and sometimes it smashes. Every time I think of this, and I've said this, and I've irritated a bunch of people, so I don't know how I could be a sportscaster and look at myself at the end of the day in the mirror. I'm just picking on those people because that's the low hanging fruit when you get done at the end you've spent time and energy researching writing postulating speculating irritating all for something that at the end of the day doesn't matter in the first place And all the sports fans said, "Okay, got one sports fan." I hope I hope you can see what the illustration, uh, what the illustration means. So, and the reason I bring it up, and I and as I read it, I got frustrated. I went, I started looking at the. Uh, I'm from a different generation than most of you. And I started looking at the translations that I have. And uh, our culture has shifted until we have allowed our culture to say, if you get paid, it's okay. And that's not the biblical standard. The biblical standard is what Paul articulated what Calvin articulated. Calvin even quoted the ancient Roman Cicero. He said there are some jobs that Cicero said were shameful. But we have gotten, and, and one of the problems is our translations, we have gotten to this place where we say, well, if, if you do it and you get paid, it must be a good job. I'm taking care of my family, therefore it must be good. That is not the standard of measurement. When you get done, you are to have done something good that also provides for you so that you have and so that you can do what? Help others with it. Now, believers are supposed to be salt and, lives, salt and light. And if, if, if as believers we want our lives to honor the Lord and glorify Him, then we want to do what He wants us to do. So there is a biblical basis for judging work, whether or not it is good work or not, but that biblical basis is basically lost on our culture. Except it can be regained by knowing and practicing Scripture. Now, I'm going to start here with verse 29 next week and we'll conclude the chapter um, it says let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth <laughs> but only what's good for edification and I, I may use sportscasters again um, if I can think of something better let, let me close by saying this we, we talked about some very personal things today how do, you deal with, how do you deal with emotions? Um, how do you look at your work? What about personal honesty? What about being honest with yourself before the Lord? The, we'll, we'll elaborate more on the concept that I'm going to talk to you about here as we get to the end of the chapter, but living in the lord is not a mechanical process we are not machines there's there's too many variables in humanity we we were we were raised with different stimulus we saw different things we think Different things. And we, and, and we kind of talked about this earlier, that there is tremendous diversity, and I'm not just talking about skin color, that's the most ridiculous thing on the face of the earth that's the most simplistic, easy thing. There is tremendous diversity in this body of Christ because we come from all of these different backgrounds with all this different thinking and He makes us one in Him and we have these different gifts and those gifts are based upon that stimulus that we received and the way we grew up and what we do and what we think and all that and He comes and He works with His Holy Spirit in each and, each and every one of us. We're not mechanical devices that are just this and this and this and this and this and do the same thing day after day after day after day after day. I remember growing up and seeing the irrigation engine on the tractor. Wasn't necessarily designed to pull. It was designed to just run and run and run and run. Because it was connected to a pump and pump and pump and pump. And they put fuel in it and it would just keep going. And modern culture has reduced humanity to a bunch of different machine-like qualities. And, and there are too many variables for that. It looks different from one of us to the next of us. Though each of us is trying to be like Jesus. Listen carefully to me, folks. We, we, we are not all the same. We're not all on the same level I'm not even sure that level is the right word, but I think you understand what I'm talking about. We don't all see things the same way. We're all moving toward the Lord, or at least we all want to be. We're all trying to be like Jesus. But the formulas that say, you know, if you do this, you're going to get this, rarely, if ever, work. Because our hearts are different, our thoughts are different, our minds are different, and, and we're all struggling together to honor the Lord. We're all struggling together to be honest and and... and Folks, the Lord knows this. And so individually, it all looks different for each one of us. And that's why we don't cast judgment or or let judgment fall on our brother as far as motives is concerned. We may go to them and say, hey, I see this is going on. Can I help you with this? Or can I pray with you about this? Or, you know, man, I love you, but what you're doing is destructive. And we may go and we, talk, we may talk to them, but we go just broken and, and and realizing that we're weak ourselves. And when we go, and this is one of the reasons why it so rarely happens, when we go, we realize that we're giving that, we're, giving our, we're giving that person the freedom to say the same thing back to us. And that's what this body of Jesus Christ is supposed to be like. It looks different with each of us. That's why we have to listen, we have to look and listen and hear, see, and love and care for one another. Not be pointing the finger. You know. The apostle I thought this is great. He says uh those of you should beware. Who think you stand, lest you fall. How many know that's the case? Most of us don't trip when we're being very careful about where we walk. We trip when we're not paying attention. We trip when we're going down the stairs looking at our phone. Because we've gone down these stairs. No, I didn't do it, but we... But we've gone down these stairs a thousand times. And we need to walk with some caution and some trust in the Lord and honesty before Him. Heavenly Father, bless Your Word. This broken world that we live in needs to see Your Word at work in us. It needs to see us laboring with our hands. Not just for ourselves, but for others. It needs to see us dealing with our emotions. It needs to see us speaking truth. Living truth. Speaking it to ourselves. And then, when needed, speaking it to others in love. These are, these are difficult things. And Lord, I can't help but believe the Apostle Paul is just warming us up till he starts talking about relationships. So cover us with your goodness and your grace. And through this coming week, draw us closer to you than we were the week before. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.